Happy Sabbath. I'd like to thank our praise team for blessing us and blessing God's heart most of all with our praise and worship time. How are we doing this week? Is God good? Amen. We, we need to be excited because God is always good, right? And it's good to be here to fellowship, to worship, to be together in the house of God. Amen. You know, I was thinking this week, preparing for Mother's Day as, as uh, husbands of, of mothers do, and I was thinking about my mom as well because she's the reason I am here today. Praise God for her. And as I thought about moms, I, I recognized how integral mothers are at shaping who we are, how much we've learned from them, how, how they've shaped our characters, our thoughts, and things that we remember from that form, those formative years when our, when our parents, especially our mothers, are teaching us. And so I want to share with you a few thoughts entitled, What My Mother Taught Me. Okay, things my mother taught me. Okay, so first of all, in religion, our mothers taught us something. You better pray that comes out of the carpet. So you, you recognize some of these terms. Our mothers also taught us about missions quite often. Clean your plates. Don't you know there are starving children over in? I, I leave that blank because every generation has somewhere else where, where there is uh, starving children. Patience. Our mothers taught us patience. You just, sit, you just wait till your father gets home. That's, we hated hearing that growing up. Our mothers also taught us endurance. You're going to sit there until you finish your broccoli. Talk about endurance that we've learned from our mothers. Also logic. Our mothers are full of logic. If you fall and break your leg, don't come running to me. <laughs> Never got that one. But we say, contortionism, where's this one going? Well, you look at the dirt on the back of your neck. Have you ever tried that one? Also irony. Our mothers have taught us irony. Keep laughing, I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> May have gotten that one from your mom as well. Even optometrists, there's some optometrists here with us. Don't sit too close to the TV, what? You'll go blind. I don't know if you say that this generation or the old generation, mine, that was what our moms always told us, you'll go blind. Biology, biology we've learned, don't touch that, you don't know where it has been. So our mothers are experts in, in biology. Genetics, our mothers taught us you're just like your father. You may have heard that one as well. How about meteorology? Weather. This room looks like a tornado swept through it. Many of us are guilty of that. Or how about hypocrisy? Moms, sorry about this one. If, you've told, if I've told you once, I've told you a million times, stop exaggerating. <laughs> a little more logic from mom. Moms are full of logic because I said so, that's why. That's usually a logic a lot of times when, when we do that. Foresight. Here's one of my favorites. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you get into an accident. Always got to plan ahead. Some some stories on that one. And humility. Mothers are also training us in humility. There are a lot of kids out there who wish they had a mom half as nice as me. Did you ever use that one on your kids? And justice. Here's justice. One day you'll have kids and I pray they turn out just like you. Moms, you can use that one. And we can't stop by, unless we also, because our fathers taught us a lot of things too. So what my father taught me. You better listen to your mother. They, they contribute as well. Our mothers certainly shape who we are. And they are amazing people. And I know today, sometimes we come on Mother's Day, sometimes with heavy hearts because of memories and lost mothers. 
sometimes with joy of, of good memories, but we're here because of mothers that God has given us and blessed us with. You know, as we look at the Bible, I want us to turn our Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. We've been talking about a God who wants to renew community. Last week, we talked about the Godhead and how they are the, the perfect example of community. And those traits, as they translate to humankind, we see that, we learned last week that because there is a trinity, there's a Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that to truly experience loving community, that there must be a minimum of three. And we talked about that at length last week. But as we describe the human family, as we turn to Genesis chapter 1, we see something very interesting taking place here, literally, as we look at community. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. And so this was on the sixth day, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. What's it say? Male and female. He created them. And so the, the minimum factor for mankind is male and female together. Then God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and what? Multiply, just as he said to the animals, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so this God of community has done something amazing here. He has instilled within mankind, after his own likeness, the need to live in community as well, to grow community. He's wired us that way. We were designed and wired to live in community as human beings. It's amazing. I say wired because emotionally and mentally God has caused us to be emotionally set, to be fulfilled and to live life to its fullest in the context of other people. And even growing spiritually in our walk with God, it takes place in community. But even literally, God has called us to expand community. Even, even biologically, he's designed us for community. And we see that taking place through, through mothers especially. You know, think about it for a second. Mothers, women are, the design of women is just an amazing miracle of God. Have you have just contemplated that for a second? I'm not saying that to be pandering. Literally, God has created something amazing. Women have the ability to have a human being form inside of them, to deliver a live human being, and then even to feed that human being after it's born. How amazing is that? If you just sit and think about that for a moment, how God has designed people to be mothers biologically, to expand community. It's an amazing thought. And, and guys, if you think about it, our contribution is, is minimal compared to what mothers have to go through in this whole process. I know during the birthing process, we're there going, doing the breathing, helping them breathe. That's the least we can do, right? They're going through everything else. You know, so, you know, when, when, our, when our spouses give us that 2 a.m. request to go to the grocery store, the 24-hour Walmart, because there's a craving, we shouldn't argue, we shouldn't complain, right? I, I know sometimes those cravings are, are odd. I've had some friends who shared some different, different weird ones with me. Uh, one friend said his wife woke him up at 2 a.m. and said, Honey, I, I'm, I'm hungry. I need something. He goes, What do you need, honey? She goes, I want you to go to the store. I need Nutella, which I love, by the way. It's delicious stuff. And pickles. And he's like, Nutella and pickles? Okay, he heard about peanut butter and pickles. He goes there, gets the Nutella, gets the pickles. Little did he realize when he got back that she wasn't going to eat them separately, 
but they were going to be an unholy union together in her mouth eating them. He said when he saw her eating those, he's like, he said, I started experiencing morning sickness. He says, I couldn't even take it. So, so mothers and wives, just remember, if, if, if the husband leaves the room, he, he might not be able to watch you eat what you're eating, but it's just because they, it, it may be a little odd or maybe out of the ordinary. When Miriam was pregnant, praise God, it wasn't anything too difficult. Uh, all she really wanted was, was cornflakes and honey. So I always had just a big supply of boxes of cornflakes and honey. It's all, it's all she ever wanted. And so I just made sure it was stocked up. So I praise God she's from Guatemala, and she's always said this, for the land of corn. And so that's all she wanted. And so it was cornflakes and honey throughout her pregnancy. Nothing too crazy. But as we look at the Bible, we see that God has created community. He's designed us for community. And he's blessed us with mothers to help perpetuate the community that God has, not just physically, but also spiritually in the body of Christ. As we look at this, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 19, verse 26 and 27. John chapter 19, verse 26 and 27. And the setting is Jesus on the cross. And as he's hanging on the cross, in the last moments of his life, we see these words coming from his lips. John chapter 19, verse 26, it says, Then Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, that's John, standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the Bible says, that disciple took her to his own home, literally adopts her. But let's not gloss over the scene too quickly, because a lot of times we jump in this whole scene to the, it is finished at this point in the crucifixion. This is the second time we see in the Bible where God says he's finished with something, literally. At creation, he says it is finished. He finishes creation, and he says it is good. And so he ends creation with a finishing statement or idea. And then at the finished work of of redemption on the cross, Jesus also says it is finished. But before Jesus accomplishes this on, on the cross, let's not gloss over what we just heard, what takes place here. Let's take in the realities of the moment when Jesus speaks these words. This was the God of the universe hanging from a Roman cross. It was just moments before, as, as the darkness has come over Golgotha, as the earthquake's about to shake the earth, as the sins of the world are, are weighing heavily upon our Savior, in full force, God's wrath unmingled with mercy against sin upon Jesus there on the cross. Jesus going through his own private suffering. He was under severe emotional strain, but also under physical agony as well. The Romans coined the term excruciatus, which is in Latin, means from out of the cross literally, to explain the excruciating pain of hanging there on that tree. He was minutes away from his God-forsakenness when his father, and he felt that, that separation. And so can we explain the light of what's happening here on the cross these realities, how he could turn from his, his bruised body and his bloodied face towards his, his mother to find her in the crowd. The last thing on our minds would probably be at that moment our mother in facing such catastrophic doom in a situation such as that. Yet in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, it says, He who abides in him, this is Jesus, he who abides in Jesus ought also walk just as he walked. Could it be that we can learn something about how we walk with our mothers 
through the life of Jesus. And that's what we like to talk about today as we look at the community of God. And today we recognize moms. I'd like to spend some time looking at Jesus' example and his mother's example and how that interaction takes place through Scripture and what we can learn and how we can grow in our walk with Christ through that experience. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you today once again asking for your Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us, to open our hearts and minds to what you'd have to show us through your word. And Father, I pray that we would be transformed in the process, that the words that are spoken may be from you and not from me. We ask this all in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. By the way, speaking about creation, Milton Berle, the, the comedian from years back, he said if evolution really works, how come his mothers only have two hands? So even the fact that Mother's Day only have two hands disproves evolution in his mind. Many of you are looking for Mother's Day gifts. And, you know, some of us are getting some, some mugs and flowers, whatever you might be doing, but there's always those world's greatest mom mug, right? So, so there shouldn't be really one greatest mom's mug. Then we'd truly know who the greatest mom is. But unfortunately, there's too many of them to really find, figure that one out. But we look at the Bible and we see Christ's example, his view of his mom how he related to her, even in the midst of this horrible suffering. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, Now in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Lazarus, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. In verse 28, it says, And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, think for a second. Mary is, is just a teenager, and this, this angel says you are highly favored. Latin translators wrote placia gracia, which means full of grace. But the, the Greek simply means a recipient of God's grace, not a dispenser. That Mary was a recipient of God's grace. Verse 29, we continue. It says, But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, the Lord God, and will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who has called, who's been called barren. For with God, nothing is impossible. Then in verse 38, Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now remember, mothers, as Mary recognized, nothing is impossible with God. You may be facing different challenges with your children, with your family, maybe grown children, small children. Every stage has its own challenges. And maybe sometimes we, we look at our situations as parents in general, and we say, man, this is beyond what I can do, what I can even understand. And we need divine wisdom. But remember, as Mary even 
recognizes here that nothing is impossible with God. God is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He is with us even in our perplexities. He does not leave us, but comes closer to us. Nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe that today? Nothing is impossible. Your situation is not impossible with God, no matter what the situation is. You know, we hurry through this story to get to the manger, neglect to marvel at the selfless piety and devotion of this teenage mother to be the light of this, even the light of the stigma that would attend her as this unwed teenage mother. Notice the faith of this teenage mother there at the end. She's let it be done. She submits to the will of the Lord. In Luke chapter 2, verse 19, we see another picture of Jesus' mother. Chapter 2, verse 19. This was after the shepherds revealed Jesus and then the circumcision, then the presentation at the temple. And it says in verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Something about Mary that we see here in this account is that she was a very contemplative mother, hiding her treasured memories in the scrapbook of her heart. We see this again in in chapter 2, verse 48 through 51. Again, it says the same thing. In verse 48, so when they, when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this? This is when he was 12 years old. Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. When Jesus was left in Jerusalem, he was, he was talking with the religious leaders. Verse 49, and he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that it must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth, which was, and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things, once again, where? In her heart, this contemplative mother hiding these memories in the scrapbook of her heart. I could imagine all these memories flashing back in Mary's contemplative spirit in the scrapbook of her mind as she was there at this heartbreaking scene there at the cross on Golgotha from his birth to nursing to all these different stages. It was like his first steps there, these flashbacks, these memories of her scrapbook are coming back to her and revealing such pain through these memories in her heart. Fast forward, Luke chapter 2, verse 52. We see the next stage of of Jesus' life. It says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and what? You notice something? We kind of skipped the whole area of Jesus' life here. Many of us wish, hey, how come we don't talk a lot about his teenage years? All we know is that he he grew in wisdom and stature that he grew in favor with God and with man. That's all that's said about Jesus in his teenage years. And so I know his parents sometimes were like, man, it must have been nice. Maybe that's why the angel said you were blessed among women because those teenage years must have been real easy for Mary compared to what we experience today. I heard someone once said, mothers of teenagers suddenly realize why certain animals eat their young. It's terrible. Now, now, teenagers here at Spring Meadows, we're not talking about you because you guys are different. This is a teenage, other teenagers. Because we know none of us give our parents a hard time. But notice here that she's hiding these things in her heart, that Jesus is growing in wisdom and stature. I'd love to read with you something from Desire of Ages, page 70. It says this. This is a, this is a powerful, powerful picture. It says, The child Jesus did not receive instruction in the synagogue schools. He didn't go with the, with the teachers of the law. His mother was the first human teacher 
From her lips and from the scrolls of the prophets, he learned of heavenly things. The very words which he himself had spoken to Moses for Israel, he was now taught at his mother's knee. He was advanced from childhood to youth. He did not seek the schools of the rabbis. He needed not the education to be obtained from such sources, for God was his instructor, using his mom. In the book of Adventist Home, page 264, it says this. It says, Those who keep the law of God look upon their children with indefinable feelings of hope and fear, wondering what part they will act in the great conflict that is just before them. The anxious mother questions, What stand will they take? What can I do to prepare them to act well their part so that they will be the recipients of eternal glory? Great responsibilities rest upon you mothers. Although you may not stand in national councils, you may do great work for God in and your country. You may educate your children. You may aid them to develop characters that will not be swayed or influenced to do evil, but will sway and influence others to do right. But your fervent prayers of faith, you can move the arm that moves the world. And that last part's the most important because we recognize that as mothers and fathers, that we lack wisdom, we lack understanding. We don't have it all together. A lot of times we don't know what we're doing, half the time at least, if not more. But as we pray to God earnestly with our hearts, open to him, seeking his guidance and strength, we recognize, I love that, that our prayers move the arm that moves the world. God responds, he hears, he answers our prayer. He works in our kids' lives in ways that we can't even imagine, that we don't even know. And so Jesus turns his bruised and bloodied face to his mother who gave birth to him, taught him in boyhood, raised him to manhood. It was the same mother and Jesus who ended up in that tiny village of Cana there when he was in his 30s for a family friend's wedding. John chapter 2, verse 3. They were invited to a wedding. And in verse 3, it says, And they ran out of wine or grape juice. The mother of Jesus said to them, They have no wine. Notice what's happening here in the story. Mary is not making an obvious statement of reality. You know, when moms, you you tell us or your kids, your room is a mess, you're not just stating the obvious, are you? Right? When you say your room is a mess, what are you actually saying? Go clean the room. So mothers say things, it's not just to simply state something. It's to say, I need you to do something. And that's what Mary is actually doing with her son Jesus here. He says, Jesus, she says, Jesus, they have no more wine. They've run out. What's she saying? She's saying, please make more wine. It's interesting, an interesting interaction here. In verse 4 of John chapter 3, uh, chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, it says, Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour is not yet coming. I know we read this, and we say that, that term in maybe English, woman, it sounds very rude. But in, in his language, in his culture, that was a term of endearment. He was saying, woman, dear, dear mother, he says, what does this concern have to do with me? He goes, I'm not sure, this, this is not my, my calling, this is not my time yet. But look what happens. Jesus blessed his obedient filial heart, ever polite to his mother responds, and the first miracle of his supernatural glory takes place right there at that wedding. Mothers have a way of influencing their children, even after they leave home. Mothers never give up on your children. Parents never give up on your kids. A lot of times we worry, we we pray, we think that they've gone off and, and are doing their own thing, that they're so far out that they'll never be reached 
but God's always working. God is always moving. The Holy Spirit is always speaking. God is alive and active. He is always at work in our lives and through our lives. Never underestimate the power and the influence that you have with your children. You may not be able to say certain things at certain times, but the love of a mother has a powerful influence on their children. Never give up. Mary may have exerted some extra maternal influence at that wedding, and Jesus accepted that moment to be the first revealing of his divine glory. But Jesus was very careful and clear that Mary's maternity would never be mistaken for spiritual precedence or divine elevation. In Matthew 12, verse 49 through 50, he's speaking to the crowd, and he says, He stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my mother. He's speaking in general that not his own relatives would take preeminence over anybody else, but that all are part of the family of God in equal standing, even in the, in the light of his own dear mother. John chapter 19, John chapter 19, verse 26 and 27, where we started out today. We see the same words as we look at them one more time. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, this is at the very point of his death, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her in his own home. As Jesus turns his bloodied, bruised face towards the one who gave him birth, we see one of the greatest demonstrations of filial love in all of literature. In the moment of his own excruciatus, his heart goes out to his mother, and he makes arrangements for her life and long care. What an example for us today, for our mothers and our parents, how we treat those who have given us life as we live in a community of faith. There's a reason why God says to honor our mothers and fathers. I know sometimes that's difficult, in circumstances that we may have been raised in. But God says to give honor because of who they are, not always because of what they've done or didn't do. That your days may be long upon the earth. And so we see Jesus living this out, even as our example, there on the cross, at the very point of death, of excruciating pain, he remembers his dear mother. Desire of Ages, page 752 says, O pitiful, loving Savior, amidst his physical pain and mental anguish, he had a thoughtful care for his mother. He had no money with which to provide for her comfort, but he was enshrined in the heart of John, and he gave his mother to him as a precious legacy. Thus he provided for her that which she most needed, the tender sympathy of the one who loved her because she loved Jesus. And in receiving her as a sacred trust, John was receiving a great blessing, she was a constant reminder of his beloved master. The blessing that John received and Jesus' mother received were reciprocal, and he does that at the cross. And so I asked the question today, how is it with us and our mother? How is it with us and our family? Today, this Mother's Day weekend, how do we provide and care? How do we respond? How do we follow the example of Jesus? As in this community of faith, as examples to the world, as shining lights, how we love each other. Desire of Ages, once again, page 752, also says, The perfect example of Jesus' filial love shines forth with undimmed luster from the midst of ages, 
For nearly 30 years, Jesus, by his daily toil, had helped bear the burdens of the home. And now, even as in his last agony, he remembers to provide for his sorrowing widowed mother. The same spirit, this is powerful, will be seen in every disciple of our Lord. Those who follow Christ will feel that in its, in it, that it is a part of their religion to respect and provide for their parents. From the heart where his love is cherished, father and mother will never fail of receiving thoughtful care and tender sympathy. How is it with our mothers? Maybe like me, you don't call as often as you should. It reminds me I need to call mom more often. I need to, to go see her more often. I need to tell her how grateful I am the Most High has chosen her to be my mother as long as we both shall live and, and long after that. One last quote I want to share with you as we close. In Signs of the Times, it says, Jesus knows the burden of every mother, and this is hope for all of us. He is her best friend in every emergency. His everlasting arm supporter, that Savior whose mother struggled with poverty and privation, sympathizes with every mother in her work and hears her earnest prayers. That Savior who went on a long journey for the purpose of relieving the anxious heart of a Canaanite woman, who will do as much for the afflicted mother of today, he who gave back to the widow of Nain her only son as he was being carried to burial is today touched by the bereaved mother's woe. He who wept at the grave of Lazarus, who, pronounced par- who pardoned Mary Magdalene, who on the cross remembered his mother's needs, who after the resurrection appeared to the weeping women and made them his messengers, is today women's, a woman's best friend, ready to aid her in her need if she will trust him. Jesus today is our very very best friend. Hallelujah. Mother, don't give up. No matter what you're facing, no matter how old your children are, they might be even retirement age. Do not give up on your children. Keep praying. Keep putting your hope in Jesus. He is working. He is your friend too. Don't ever give up. What a wonderful opportunity we have this weekend to recognize God's gift to us through our mothers as he builds community, not just physically, but also spiritually through the lives of these amazing women. And as I said earlier, you may not be a a biological mother, but many of you here have been able to be spiritual mothers for other people in this church and other places where you have lived. God can use each one of you to make it be an influence in the lives of somebody else as a spiritual, as a biological, adoptive mother, no matter matter what that means, God can use each one of you. I want to close with a poem written by HMS Richard Sr., which he dedicates to his mother. And he entitles it, When Mother Tucks Me In. He says, How the changing years have borne me far away from the days of home. Now no mother bends above me when the time for sleep has come. But it gives my poor heart comfort and it brings me rest within just to dream that I am little and that my mother tucks me in. As I kneel there with my brother by the bed above the stairs and I hear my gentle mother whisper, boys, remember prayers. Then she comes and prays beside us, Father, keep them from all sin. Oh, her kiss is tender loving when my mother tucks me in. When at last the evening finds me and life's busy day is done, All the bands of earth that bind me shall be broken one by one. Then, O Lord, be thou my comfort. Call my soul thy peace to win. Let me fall asleep as gently 
as when mother tucked me in. Amen. Grace, 
Let's bow our heads together. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, it has been good to be here today in your house to worship your name. And Father, as we leave this place, may we leave with a renewed sense of hope, of your grace, and may it amaze us every single day afresh as we contemplate the cross, we contemplate your love for us, that you've saved us through your grace and have given us eternity, the crucifixion to the death of your son, Jesus. Lord, this week, and I pray that you would guide us as we honor and remember our mothers, those gifts you've given us. And Lord, may you be glorified through that as well. So we love you, we thank you. We ask this all in Jesus' powerful name. Amen and amen. A couple reminders, we are going to have our elders. If you like special prayer, we have some elders who will be waiting up here in the front to pray with you. So if you'd like to have special prayer, make your way to the front right after the, close, after the service here. Also, uh, just a reminder that we will be collecting offering at the back. So if you'd like to give uh, physically with some offering, we have deacons and ushers who are waiting there with plates. God bless. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you.